I think if I was anybody from the Harry Potter series, I'd probably be Luna Love Lovegood. Yeah, I th- I think she's also the just the closest physical well, resemblance. Physically, I feel like mentally. No, I know, I know, but just <laughs> you guys just look very similar. But yeah, like mm-hmm. she's flighty and. I feel like she's the only Hippie. character that you can't be like, you know, like, oh, God damn it, Ron. Like, knock it off. And, like, you she's know, just charming. Yeah, Hermione's, you know, kind of a know-it-all. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Luna's just like... She's just... She's, just, she's there. She's got her own world going. Yeah. She could care less what other people think. Yeah. she's. I, it's like, that's what we all should strive to do. She's waking and baking and then 420 <laughs> blazing. She's having a good time. She's taking care of herself. She's having a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Just I, love her. Yeah, yeah, she's, uh, I mean, she's really strong. I really like Sirius Black because, you yeah. know, I'm a bit of a Gary Old fan. That's what we call oh. ourselves, the Gary oh, Old like fans. It. I like yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah. I, he's kind of like the, well, I was about to say he's like the father I wish I had, but I got a really good father. Yes, you do. I've actually, yeah. I've got a great father and a great stepfather. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he maybe he's like the uncle that I wish I had. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. a good one. I've got some good uncle too uncles as well but just getting him in the family would be fun yeah realize i'm not super close to any of my uncles Mm-mm. huh that's all right that's fine i'm, I'm that's gr- for another I'm a grown-ass man i'm fine <laughs> <laughs> so welcome everyone to life well spent with garrett and amber this is the podcast where a married couple do the minimal amount of research in a vain attempt to keep their marriage on the rails which is way it's, far from it. It's fine. <laughs> Wait, our marriage is far from the rails? Yeah. We're off the rails? No, no, I mean like, our, oh, what am I trying to say? Oh, no. Is this how you divorce me? Oh, God. <laughs> On the podcast? You're <laughs> <laughs> like, honey, I am so checked out. Yeah. We pause and then I'm the only one that comes back. It's like, so she left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Took the dogs. Yeah. No, you would only take Ace and... Lilu probably. I you would take Lilu. That, would, that would be very sweet of you. I was gonna say. <laughs> the, the, I have a feeling that if I left her, she she would not be living for very much longer. Well, don't. No, say I know. That. I'm just kidding. No, meaning like you probably just like throw her outside and fend for herself. You know, Lilu and I have a contentious <laughs> relationship, but it's built built on mutual respect, kind of. Kind of. No, she she really lacks respect for you. Uh, who does she bite? You. You. Well, she bites us both. Yeah, that's fair. Anywho. Anywho. <laughs> if you guys want to adopt a cat, get at me. Mm, no, I'm she's not, not for sale. Yeah, just in case we get more listeners, I'm not giving out my phone number. <laughs> but, you know, DM, slide into my DMs for a free cat. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, this is what our, no, second to last episode of March Madness. Uh, we, we still have next Saturday is the 27th. Is that right? I, I'm sure you're right. Yeah, you got to be right. 27th, 28th, yes. Yep. That's your birthday weekend. Birthday weekend. Woo! This is the start of my birthday week, so, you know. Uh, Got the decorations up. Slide and... into my DMs for my address. You can mail me, you know, nice birthday gifts. Cards. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well wishes. Yeah. Um, but this is exciting. Oh. Sorry. I figure I could, uh, well, actually, if we, we could talk about what we've been into this week. Sure. Before Absolutely. we get started. Yeah. Uh, I know the beginning of the week we watched... Um, Oh, I'm going to forget the name. That's what our podcast needs to be named. Uh, what is it? The Trial of the Seven something. Seven. The Chicago Seven, I believe, Chicago is seven. the name of the movie. Yeah. We watched that one and something else that was really good, too. Coming to number two, America. Yeah. yeah. Uh, both really good movies. Mm-hmm. 
the trial of the Chicago Seven is on Netflix, right? Is that right? I thought it. No, it's Amazon Instant. Both are on Amazon. Okay. Prime. It. Yeah. Prime. Anyway, it's super good. I love. I didn't realize that uh, the Chicago Seven was like a real story until we started to watch it. When you say a real story, do you mean you thought it was like a myth or you just weren't aware like a, of the story? I wasn't aware. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Same same here. I wasn't uh, aware of what those people went through. Uh, of course, you know, the late 60s were mm-hmm. a time of uh, social and political revolution. Right. So makes sense. But yeah, that specific uh, instance was incredibly fascinating. Maybe in the past I'd heard of uh, the riots at the uh, Democratic National Convention, mm-hmm. but again, the the actual trial of the Chicago Seven uh, was foreign to me. And, and we got like pretty heated throughout some of the well, basically the whole time they were on trial and that stupid judge. Yeah, I mean he did a good job of really making you hate him. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Uh... Oh, the film is the trial of the Chicago Seven. You're you're mm-hmm. right, honey. Okay. Um, yeah, I've, I've got to find the name of the actor. He's been around for years and years. Uh, Frank Langella. Yep. Okay. He, boy, he really made you hate him. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah. And, uh, Mark Rylance, uh, he was the lead, uh, defense counsel. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought he was. He did an amazing job. Yeah. Great writing in that mm -hmm. movie too. Yeah. Funny. Uh, so written by, um, my God, I, I kept talking about him. Aaron Sorkin, yeah. directed and written by uh, Aaron Sorkin. God, that guy can write dialogue. Yeah, he did a great job. Yeah, if anybody out there is a big West Wing fan, mm-hmm. get at me and hype me up because I, after watching this, I really want to get into West Wing. Mm-hmm. Social Network is incredible. Yeah, um, that's another Sorkin joint. I believe he likes it being called a Sorkin joint. Um, not really. I was like, what is this last name again? <laughs> Aaron Sorkin. Sorkin, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was uh, so engaging. Yeah. I mean, that has the potential of being relatively dry. I mean, granted, we're, we're living in a time that is uh, fairly, I'd say, has some major similarities to yeah. the 1960s. Uh, so that didn't hurt to kind of get us heated, but... Yeah, the characters were so distinguishable, clearly, cleanly written. Right. Uh, complex. Uh, yeah, I, I I really love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He did a great job. Yeah, they, I mean, it would have been easy to make him just as mustache twirly mm-hmm. as some of his uh, higher ups and some of the people in government in the movie, but I think he's a really... Again, another complex character. You know, he doesn't like the Chicago Seven. He's he's kind of a leans towards Republican, but mm-hmm. he is he is a law minded individual. And the right. entire time he's struggling with prosecuting these people that, you know, uh, according to testimony of uh some people, uh they they did nothing wrong. Right. You know, and it was the police that truly incited the violence, not the protesters. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so just, yeah, again, phenomenal characters. Emotional uh, journey. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure if people hadn't seen it already, I believe it's gotten quite a few 
Academy Award nominations, mm-hmm. Golden Globes. I believe we got a lot of buzz. Uh, Sasha, I would hope so, yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen was so good, not wasted at all, well used. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get into something later where I feel Sasha Baron Cohen was greatly wasted. Oh, <laughs> I know. I'm I'm going to be kind of a negative Nancy later. I'll, I'll try to I'll try to not be too much of an old curmudgeon, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, and then, of course, coming to America was uh, I felt like it was a good sequel to the first one. I uh, love that they basically had like all the same actors playing the characters. Um, yeah, many of the characters or many of the actors came back. And some of the, the new newer actors uh, were, were pretty, did a real good job too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't uh, remember their names, but I, I feel like they're going to, they're going to do well. Yeah. Some great, uh, great young cast to support what is obviously a uh, fantastic, uh, the returning actors, but also, uh, Leslie Jones, I mm-hmm. thought was phenomenal. She did so good. She brought so much comic relief to the, not like it needed it, you no, know, but. but a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes was so much fun. You could tell he oh, was yeah. just like, he's just having a blast. He's hanging out with Eddie and mm-hmm. Arsenio. You know, he's, I, I gotta imagine they're friends from back in the day. Right. You know, I don't know of any animosity between them. So. I'm sure he was having a ball. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I th- I think as much as we loved it, I'm sure people like maybe even five or 10 years older than us, you know, that got to see Coming to America in the theaters that really oh, have yeah. a love for it, probably loved it even more. Mm-hmm. It felt like, yeah, it felt like uh, dad porn oh, yeah, mom, yeah. and mom porn. I mean, I love the scene where um, Leslie Jones and uh, the woman that plays the queen Oh yeah, they they're were drunk together. Yeah, and singing the "Do the Humpty Hump." Uh-huh. Oh god, so fun! <laughs> it was I so good. and I was worried they weren't going to have anything for uh, the actor that played the queen to do. And granted, she didn't have a ton to do. I feel yeah. like she kind of got the short end, but she had scenes like that with Leslie where she mm-hmm. shined. She was so much fun. Yeah, it uh, was just hilarious. Yeah, Love yeah. The movie. So if you guys get a chance to watch it, you should. Yeah, that one was just a straight up good time Mm -hmm. you know it's not prestige film um but uh that in the costumes yeah and that movie that's got to get a nod for something because they it was yeah incredible the cg is probably not going to get any nominations some of it was pretty bad but you know that's okay um yeah at least it was consistently a good time mm-hmm. it, it followed a pretty basic story structure you knew what was going to happen pretty much the whole time but again the performances carried the film right uh again especially the the newer people and mm-hmm. i was glad we got to spend as much time in i cannot remember the name of their the the kingdom that they're in in africa oh gosh i don't remember I know. either it's, it's not wakanda no <laughs> i feel bad because i just <laughs> want to keep I want to say Wakanda, but it's not. I mean, Wakanda's so awesome. New Wakanda is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, super good movie. Yeah. And uh, boy, I was actually going to talk about those because those were so much fun to watch. But I did finish the first book in, I believe it's called the Mistborn Trilogy. Yes. By uh, Brandon Sanderson. I've got yep. the book under my pile of shit on the desk. Now you've got the second one, The Well of Ascension? Yes. Okay. The first book was so good. It. I was telling Amber, I can't remember the last time I read through a fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. It's been years, I think. 
um, you know, especially getting into real estate, you're encouraged, rightly so, to read a lot of uh, motivational books, uh, mm-hmm. uh, somewhat industry knowledge, but more so just how to be a productive agent and how to encourage yourself, keep yourself going. So I've been reading a lot of those, and they're great. Um, boy, I'm trying to read through how to win friends and influence people. That's a rough read. Oh, man, it's uh, that's a toughie. That's a toughie. Like, so far, the basic stuff I've read is like, don't be a jerk. It's like, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, okay, I can see how this might be more when relevant that, in the 50s or something. But yeah, when did that book come out? I don't remember. Didn't you say it was like, it's a really old book? You know, to give you an idea, he keeps referencing like Rockefeller and, yeah. you know, these railroad tycoons or something. It feels, it feels old. Mm-hmm. It feels very old. I'm sure there's, there, of course, there's going to be stuff that is applicable now, but... It's not a ton of fun. Yeah, no. It's not an easy read. Mm-mm. And uh, yeah, the first Mistborn book was so good. Um, just a little synopsis. Uh, there's this uh, girl named Vin. She is a uh, she's a thief, um, and she's part of this thieving crew. She's a little tiny girl, and uh, basically what she knows, how she survives, is basically to hide, be as small as possible. Okay. Um, but she's useful to this uh, thieving crew because um, she can somehow influence people, and she doesn't know how. Oh. Um, then all of a sudden, this group of guys comes to town. They're, they live in this uh, this capital city called Luthadel, and uh, they it's uh, Kelsier. He's the lead of this group. He lets her know that she's a mistborn. Um, there's a lot of kind of it's a really cool world building thing. Like there's, there's constantly ash falling from the sky and people don't go out at night cause the mist, they're worried that something will get them. Um, but she's a mist born, which means that she was born in the mist. No, uh, no, <laughs> no, but, uh, I could see why you would say that. Mm-hmm. I, and you know, who knows? Um, I, there's, there's some relation to, uh, mist born and the mist because when these mist born use these powers, like the mist kind of moves around them and stuff. But, mm. Uh, true mistborn. Uh, so there's mistlings, and so for example, there's a mistling that can uh, they'll drink small amounts of pewter, the mineral pewter. Okay. And they can burn that. They they have they can basically use it as energy inside of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe people that burn pewter are called thugs because it enhances their physical abilities, their strength, their speed. Okay. Um, they don't get hurt easily. Um, and then there's people that burn other elements that give them, you know, they're able to, to push metal objects or pull metal objects, depending on what kind of misling they are. Okay. Mistborn can do all of it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So Vin comes to find out that she's a true mistborn and then Kelsier hires her onto this thieving crew. And basically their goal is to overthrow this government, uh, that has a Lord ruler. The mm-hmm. idea is this Lord ruler is... Um, an invincible god that rules over this land. Um, and it's uh, it's just, it's great world building. That's what I love about fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I was getting my bachelor's degree for English, not to brag, <laughs> I got a degree I never use. I use a little bit. Uh, but we were always encouraged to stay away from, like especially short stories, stay away from sci-fi fantasy because inherently in that genre kind of requires a lot of world building. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. uh, more so than just a 
you know, a, a fictional tale uh, that's happening in this world. You know, you don't really need to set it up. You describe the surroundings, of course, to help to bring texture and life to the story. Right. But if you're creating a whole nother world, whole cloth, it takes a lot more time and a lot of energy and focus when really you should be getting to the characters. Uh, the characters. The story, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this one, there's tons of world building, really good world building. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the first book was fantastic, but it lays enough. It answers a ton of questions, but it also lays out just enough to kind of keep you going into the story. Uh, it didn't feel like I was cheated at all in that book. It actually kind of solved more shit than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if maybe uh, Mr. Sanderson, if you're nasty, uh, <laughs> wrote the first book and maybe he wasn't guaranteed the sequels. I, I know he's a prolific writer. I don't know at what stage in his writing he wrote these books. So is this second one kind of a pick up from where the last one left off? or is it like maybe a, a year story? later. Okay. Give, maybe a few months to a year. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and she uh, she's advanced a little bit in her training as a Mistborn. Not a, she was already really good. Like mm-hmm. it's it's becomes clear in the book that she's talented. Okay. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, I know when we took pictures of the books we were reading, a few uh, friends said they loved the Mistborn trilogy. Yeah. So if you haven't tried it yet and you're looking for a new sci-fi series to get into, it's three books. The first one was just a ton of fun, you know. Uh, we were trying to stick to like 10 pages per whatever book we're reading. Yeah. And by the end, I was reading 30, 40, 50 pages just so I could see what happens at the end. Right. Sorry, you can hear Gilly. She's bathing her genitals at the moment. <laughs> it's super fun and not intrusive at all. Gillian. <laughs> oh, ki- oh, she looks sad now. Oh, I'm sorry, we just, Gilly. We just shamed her. Oh. Love you, Gilly. Oh. Who's my good girl? She's like, I'm just itchy. You Who's guys. my good girl? Yeah, you're my good girl. You're doing great. <laughs> <sighs> so, oh, that's awesome, though. We are going to take a quick break just in case we ever get a sponsor. Hey, fingers crossed, guys. Right? Yeah. Yeah, maybe someday we'll be sponsored by like a local I adult toy shop. I don't, oh, know. I don't know. We're not that sexy. <laughs> well, who knows? But uh, we will be right back after this break. Welcome back, my babies. <laughs> There's a show we've been watching, uh, Bless the Hearts. Yes. It's really cute. Do, do, do. do, do. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're not going to get into that. I know. Watch Bless so the good. Hearts, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. a really good show. Uh, so you're going to start us off this week. Yes. Girl, what you talking about? I'm so excited. Okay. so If you I... told me I don't remember, I'm excited too. For a second there, I totally forgot. Oh. Um, <laughs> So I decided to watch uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest mm-hmm. with Jack Nicholson, Louise Fletcher. Um, and as, yep. before I get into it, as I was watching it, I'm like, because, okay, so Louise Fletcher uh, plays a, a nurse called Mil- Mildred Ratched. Okay. And immediately I'm like, hold on, this is kind of similar to Ratched from Netflix. Yeah, I never watched it, with but. Sarah something. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, basically that the Netflix show is just based off of the nurse from the movie. No way. Yeah. That's cool. I'm like, okay, now that I have a point of reference, I should probably watch Ratchet again. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought I wanted to go through kind of just like the plot and then just talk about it as I go along. 
Absolutely. It's just for anybody who's never watched it. I mean, this is my first time watching it. I am one of those people. Really? You've I never... know I know the end and I've watched the last like twenty minutes, I think. Really? Yeah. So it's a nineteen seventy five movie. Okay. Uh obviously Jack Nicholson is like the the main guy yep. in this movie, right? Um as I was so I read the uh the plot on just, you know, Wikipedia. Uh, before watching it to see what I was going to get myself into. And uh, as I'm reading, I'm like, wow, this is really, really interesting. I mean, yes, it spoiled the ending for me, but whatever. Yeah. Right? I was going to watch it anyways. Um, really good movie. Just going to start off saying that. And mm-hmm. I will be talking about spoilers. So if you don't want to hear about it, just fast forward like 20 minutes or something. Yeah. I mean, it was made in 1975, so you're probably good. But it yeah. never hurts to give a spoiler warning. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, I don't want to be one of those people that piss somebody off because... Don't be that person. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, it takes place in Oregon in 1963. Randall McMurphy is serving a prison sentence prison sentence for assault and statutory rape of a 15-year-old girl. Yikes. That's our protagonist. Yeah. So mm. far, uh, not a good start. Nope. Right? Um, Agreed. Gross. Yep. Uh, so, obviously, he is played by Jack Nicholson. Uh, he gets himself transferred to a mental institution to avoid hard labor. <laughs> mm. So somehow he does things, says things that sends him to a mental institution. Kind of games the system so he can. Yeah. 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 Um, so at the hospital, he finds uh, the ward is being dominated by head nurse Mildred Ratched, which at first when I'm watching the movie and I'm watching the interaction with nurse Ratched, um, she kind of comes off as being just like a kind nurse that ab- abides the rules. Oh, that's good. And that she she cares for the the patients. I like this nurse ratchet. I think she's going to be a okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think so, huh. right? Yeah. Huh. Uh, I love how you just feed into this. This is great. I'm trying to uh, trying to yes, Andia. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, so she's a they describe her as a cold, passive aggressive tyrant who uses her authority to intimidate her patients. Again, just like my ex-wife. Ooh. Yeah, I keep going. Collar tug. <laughs> that was terrible. Um, so, yeah, you really don't see that until at least halfway through the movie. Really? I mean, the whole time they have, you know, sessions, like therapy sessions, where they all sit in a circle and kind of talk about, uh, you know, reasons why they are in there. Because uh, later you kind of find out that some of the patients are voluntary. They came here, and there's probably only a handful of them that was involuntary mm, okay. to be there. Um, so they're, they're just trying to help them through uh, a situation or past trauma, things like that. And it's people that really need to be there. Yeah. And then you got Jack. Yes. Or uh, uh, Henry McMurphy O'Connor. McMurphy is what Mc- they call him. McMurphy. Okay. Or Mac, I think. Um, uh, so the other patients include anxious, stuttering 21-year-old Billy Bibbit, which he's such a cutie. Yeah. And he's such a cutie in the movie. Who do we... Do we know the actor that played Billy I Bibbit? I don't know the actor's I'm name, um, but he does a really great job. And he, he's very charming because of the, the stutter, and he kind of welcomes McMurphy in as soon as McMurphy comes into the room. I think mm-hmm. he tries to talk to um, this man. Uh, he calls him Chief. And mm-hmm. uh, Billy, I'm aware of Chief. Yeah. yeah. Billy says, oh, you know, you won't get through to him because he's, he's deaf and he's mute. Mm. Um, so he's like, all right, you know. Um, so, yeah, Billy Bibbit uh, is prone to childish tantrums. You can kind of get a feel that because uh, the nurse Ratched kind of brings up his mom a couple of times. And it's almost like that makes his stuttering worse. So he might have some like mother trauma happening. 
Um, uh, Brad Dourif plays uh, Billy Bibbit. Thank you. Yeah. Um, oh, nice. Oh, I got that mixed up. Charlie Cheswick is the one who's prone to childish tantrums. Oh, okay. Um, then we have the delusional and innocent Martini, which such a fun name. That's his last name. Do you know who that is, right? Uh, no. You don't know who that is? I don't think so. Baby, that's Danny DeVito. No, it's that not. That is young Danny DeVito. No, it's not. I will throw this computer over there <laughs> so you can see. It did not even look like yeah, him. Yeah, it's young Danny DeVito. What? That's crazy. I got to yeah. watch it again now. Yeah. Well, I... That's crazy. I thought for sure I meant I called him out when uh, I would watch in on you watching a scene or two, and maybe I was just too enthralled with yeah. I, wow, uh, the articulate, repressed homosexual Dale Harding, uh, belligerent and profane Max Tabor, uh, epileptics Jim Seafelt, uh, and Bruce Fredrickson, the mm. former of whom gives his medicine to the latter, quiet but violently, uh, chief. A very tall Native American man um, who acts as deaf and mute. Uh, the later in the film, um, he he kind of lets McMurphy know that he can actually hear and talk, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that is just an act. Um, and again, just to kind of take you through the movie, so Ratchet sees McMurphy's lively, rebellious presence as a threat to her authority. You can tell she has a very much a schedule. For all of the, her patients, and she's seeing him as like a, a wrench in her system. Mm-hmm. So she really doesn't like him. Um, but again, the way that she talks to him, he kind of, he'll push her buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always a way that she can kind of come back. She she kind of like acts like she's letting him do something. Like for instance, there was a point in the movie where he wanted to watch um, baseball. It's like the World Series. American pastime. Right. And he says, uh, well, why don't we just, you know, move our therapy session to after or to a different time so that we, we can all watch the World Series, you know? Oh, um, the World Series too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, I hear uh, it's a big one. Right. Yeah. And she's uh, she's kind of like, no, you know, there's there's uh, quite a few people in here that we need to keep the, the schedule going for, their, um, for them to be able to handle it well. And uh, then eventually she's like, well, if you can get a majority vote, then we'll move the time. So he gets most of the guys at first. He's like him and, and Martini, maybe I can't remember, mm-hmm. um, raise their hand to switch it like the first day. And uh, then the, the next day he comes in and he says, you know, can we take another vote? She's like, fine, let's take another vote. And then majority of the basically all the guys raise their hands in the circle. And he's like, hey, you know, finally we did it, you know. And she says, uh, no, you only have, I think it was nine people raise their hands and there's 18 people in the ward. So you need to get a majority vote for the whole ward. Mm. So then he's walking around to the other patients trying to get them to raise their hand and telling them why and stuff. Finally, I think he gets um, Chief to raise his hand. And so he's so excited. And in this time, you see Nurse Ratchet. She's looking at the time and then she gets up and she's like, "Okay, well, our session is over. And then he comes back and he says, hey, we got, you know, 10 people. So can we please turn on the the video or the video game, the baseball game? (laughs) You've been married to me too long. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) And she says, uh, you know, well, sorry, time's up. Like our session is over. That's the amount of time that you had to be able to get 10 people. And so he's upset and he sits down in front of the TV and he's looking at her like, turn the damn TV on, you know, and Mm -hmm. she's just kind of ignoring him. So to kind of like one up her, he kind of pretends to, um, oh God, uh, what's it called when they, um, 
talk about the the baseball game over the radio or whatever the announcer oh he's doing color commentary yeah commentary Mm -hmm. so he's like making up a a baseball game and like getting really excited about Mm -hmm. it so then the rest of the patients are like what is he actually watching you know and then they come around and they really get into it and start hooting and hollering uh which does not sit well with ratchet so in your opinion i mean obviously it sounds like nurse nurse ratchet is the antagonist if jack nicholson's uh, Randall Patrick McMurphy mm-hmm. is the protagonist. From where I'm sitting, it seems like she is. She has a good reason to want to keep things on a schedule. Yeah, kind of stay in control because, mm-hmm. from an outsider's perspective that hasn't seen the movie, you would imagine the head nurse would know how patients react to these these uh, changes in mm-hmm. the schedule. Do you think she's just being an asshole or do you think that she's in the right or maybe a mix of both? I kind of see a mix of both because you understand why she wants to keep the the schedule, right? Um, But you also kind of see where McMurphy, when he's starting to kind of like loosen the reins, so to speak, on a lot of the patients, um, it's actually good for him. Mm. Like the patients kind of, you know, they're starting to kind of get out like get happier and more engaging with each other. And um, so you you see that he's, he's eventually becoming more of a positive influence on them. Yeah. You know, there's one point in the movie where he's outside for like rec time and he wants to play basketball Um, and he sees chief and he's like, well, here's a seven foot tall man. You're on my team. And he's trying to teach him how to like throw the ball. And, you know, of course chief is like pretending that he doesn't know what he's saying. So he's, literally not doing anything with the ball classic Um, chief yeah so he's uh you know really trying to ramp up the the guys around him to to want to play you know and i think they eventually kind of do and he gets really excited and i saw a couple bits of this scene and all i saw was him yelling at poor young danny devito because he threw the ball out of bounds (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it seemed like everybody was having fun even though like clearly uh randall Mm-hmm. Mac, whatever. Yeah, he's only kind of out for himself and what he wants to do. But yet he's like the... determined to like have fun in this mental institution. That's a, if know? I learned anything from Patch Adams, right? You gotta laugh. Yeah, you just gotta. Um, that's medicine, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, let's see, so. You know, Ratchet feels very threatened by his energy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she tends to confiscate the patient's cigarettes and rations them, um, suspends their card playing, card playing privileges. Uh, McMurphy finds himself in a battle of wills against Ratchet. Uh, he steals a school bus. Somehow he gets Chief to like hoist him up over the fence. He ends up like because I think the the majority of the guys were going on the school bus and they they take. I don't know where they go every day, but they, they go on a trip. Um, but he ends up taking the bus over uh, and just drives them to um, the river or the ocean, and they hijack a boat to go fishing. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's having a ball, you know, and he gets uh, he picks up his kind of like not really love interest uh, candy. He, you could just tell, like, it's just a girl that he tends to sleep with every once in a while, right? She's a loose girl, I guess. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, does she seem like she's a professional or just... No. Okay. No, just not, not friends, that it matters. But I was just curious. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they um, they escape and goes uh, fishing and swimming. Oh, Pacific Ocean Coast. There it is. Mm. Um, 
And yeah, so they, they have a really great time. And of course, when they come back, there's like police officers there waiting for them to return and get them back into the institution. Yeah. But uh, you think at some point they just kind of send him back to jail. Yeah, I guess they have to like clear him to go back to jail. So right now he's kind of like in a trial period. And he has a conversation with the the ward, I, I guess. Um, and the ward, I think, at one point is just like, you know, we don't think, we, I, I, we think that you're faking it and that there's no reason for you to be here. Right. You know, so I, I think he kind of... Um, then does he kind of play up a mental illness to stick around? Well, that's just it. I don't ever really think I see that happening. Huh. wonder why they don't kick him out. I can't remember. Well, that's okay. Anyways. Um... Let's see. And yeah, so they, you know, they bring him back um, to the the institution and uh, Ratchet um, sends uh, Chief Cheswick and McMurphy to the shock shop. That's what they call it as a result of the insubordination, I guess. So they're using shock therapy treatment as punishment, not as a potential cure or medicinal purposes because right yeah so that's, that's not good I that, guess, that's a bad thing yeah 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 and i guess uh this follows i think i missed a part here so um basically it says after an orderly tells him that the judge's time sentence uh, doesn't apply for people who are deemed to be criminally insane mcmurphy makes a plan to escape encouraging chief to throw a hydrotherapy console through the window um, it was also revealed that McMurphy, Chief, and Tabor are the only non-chronic patients involuntarily committed to the institution. And then, of course, the rest of them are uh, voluntary and committed oh, okay. at any time, um, but are too afraid to do so. So there's a point in the movie where he's like, well, why don't you just leave? And, and I think he, Billy was like, well, it's not that easy. We can't really just go. And I think because he's intimidated by Ratchet and doesn't yeah. think that he can leave. Um so I guess after Cheswick burst into a fit demanding his cigarettes within their like little therapy meeting, mm-hmm. uh, McMurphy fights with the orderlies and, and chief intervenes. So that's why they take him to the shock shop. Um, okay. So while awaiting their punishment, McMurphy offers chief a stick of gum and discovers that chief can speak because he says, thank you. Mm. And then he just gets a big kick out of it. And he's like, you have everybody fooled, you know, <laughs> Um but kind of talks to him like, you know, we need to escape and go to Canada and have a great time, you know. Um, so McMurphy uh, gets the electroconvulsive therapy. And at first, you think that it's doing a lot of damage. And then they have him walk back into the common area and all the guys are looking at him. And he he looks like, like he's barely kind of walking. He looks really zoned out, mm-hmm. like something really serious happened to him, like almost to the point of drooling. Right. Um, and then he ends up smiling and it's just like, gotcha suckers, you mm. know? Um, cause he was pretending to be brain damaged. Oh, okay. Uh, funny so, joke. So funny. Good right. Bit. Yeah. Good prank. Mental institution. Yeah. That's great. Um, just like when, uh, Chris Kardashian pretended to get tackled by Kim's security. Did I get the names right? Yes. The mom is Chris. Chris? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We've been lo- watching a lot of Kardashians. Kardashians. Well, you have. <laughs> I watched an episode or two. I mean, they led up to the season premiere, you know? You know, they're just like us. 
They're just celebrities like are us. just like us. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so McMurphy and Chief kind of make plans on how they're gonna escape, mm-hmm. and decide to throw a Christmas secret Christmas party for their friends after Ratchet and the orderlies leave for the night. And so he kind of invites Candy and Candy's girlfriend in, and they bring booze, and they somehow get. I think it's he's a security guard um, mm-hmm. to let him in. He gives him like a twenty or something, and so the security guard is kind of drinking with him. And, okay. Um, uh, I saw the scene where Scatman Crothers, uh, playing orderly Turkle, mm-hmm. stumbles upon them having a party, and I felt really bad for Scatman at that point. You do feel he, really he's bad. He's like, this is my job, and he's yeah, he's cussing a lot, and he's just being classic Scatman. Mm-hmm. I was really happy to see him in that scene because I'd only ever seen him in The Shining. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So crazy. I was like, oh, he's good actor. Yeah, he yeah. really is. Yeah, and you just you do feel bad for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so after a party, McMurphy and Chief prepare to escape, inviting Billy to come with them. Billy refuses, but asks for a date, quote unquote, with Candy. McMurphy arranges for him to actually have sex with her. Oh, uh, that night. So McMurphy oh. and the others get drunk, and McMurphy falls asleep instead of making his escape with Chief. So the whole time you see like, okay. Billy is getting like basically tied down to a wheelchair and they wheel him into a room with candy. You know, at first he's like, no, no, no. Like this is super awkward. And he's like, no, she's cool. You know, like let's just go and you can, you know, whatever. Hmm. Um, and he comes back out and talks to the other girl and he's like, Oh, you know, just be a few minutes and then we'll be out of here. And so the, the window to leave is wide open this whole time. And then, you see Ratchet and some of the other orderlies coming in the next morning and everybody's just passed out. Mm-hmm. The window's still open. You're like, Ooh, you know, like you really wanted McMurphy to, to leave. Yeah. Um, so she, Ratchet arrives in the morning to find the ward in disarray. Of course he's drunk too. Yeah. Our, our, what'd you Scat man. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and most of the patients passed out. She discovers Billy and candy together and aims to embarrass Billy in front of everyone. Uh, which is really sad because okay it's going to talk about it but billy manages to overcome his stutter and stand up to ratchet like he comes out and you know the the guys are like yeah billy like they're cheering him on and he's yeah. like, he's laughing and he's you know like that ah, yeah that was a great time um and she kind of brings up his his mom so he kind of stands up to ratchet and she's like you know do you think that this was a mistake and he basically was like no like this is a great time like in, in perfect like non-stutter right yeah she somehow she she brings up his mom um and says well what do you think your mom's gonna say about this and he reverts back to stuttering she's weaponizing his his disorder oh, yeah that's horrifying so it's super sad um, I'm not on Nurse Ratchet's side anymore. I'm going to come out and say it. I don't think she's a good... She's not a good person. Healthcare worker. No. Wow. So Ratchet has him placed in the doctor's office. Uh, moments later, McMurphy punches an orderly when trying to escape out of the window with Chief, uh, mm. causing other orderlies to intervene. Meanwhile, Billy commits suicide. No. I know. Danny? Billy. Not... not you're thinking Martini. Oh, I am thinking Martini. Billy's a cute stuttering. Oh, Billy's, uh, yeah, Brad Dourif. Yep. Yeah. Oh, damn. I know. So uh, McMurphy and the other patients witness the aftermath of that. Uh, Ratchet tries to ease the situation by calling for the day's routine to continue as usual. And in an enraged, rightfully so, McMurphy yeah. attempts to strangle Ratchet. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, okay. The orderlies subdue McMurphy, saving her life. Sometime later, uh, Ratchet is seen wearing a neck brace and speaking with a feeble voice and uh, yeah. Harding 
now leads the now unsuspected card okay never mind uh mcmurphy is nowhere to be found causing rumors that he had escaped so and i think one of the uh his friends come up to everybody and is like oh you know uh mcmurphy escaped mcmurphy escaped and uh at first they don't really believe me he's like no 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 i i saw it he you know like punched one of the orderlies and he, he ran off i think mm-hmm. he, he got out of here um so everyone was pretty excited for him um and then later that night, night Chief sees McMurphy being returned to his bed. Um, and at this point, you see a couple orderlies like ushering him, and he, he's walking, but not mm-hmm. very well, right? Um, and so, after he's being returned to his his bed, and the orderlies leave, uh, Chief comes up to greet him, elated that you know McMurphy has kept his promise not to escape without him. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know, I knew you wouldn't leave me. Um, but notices that McMurphy is unresponsive and physically limp. I mean, he goes to like hold his head and his head is just completely limp. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and he discovers that there are lobotomy scars on his forehead, Mm -hmm. which is really sad. Uh, so of course, chief tearfully hugs McMurphy and says, you're coming with me and smothers McMurphy to death with a pillow. Yeah. He then lifts the uh, hydrotherapy fountain off the floor, smashes it through the window and the window gates and escapes. Yeah. So way to go, Chief, for... Chief got out. He got out. Uh, super sad, though, that McMurphy went out like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so very sad ending, but overall, just a really, really good movie. And I don't remember what Rotten Tomatoes gave it, but I think it was a pretty high score. Um, but yeah, and oh... Um, yeah, it's a 94% uh, thank you. tomato, tomato meter, and mm-hmm. audience score is 96%. Rightfully so. Oh, yeah. They even had a young, um, oh, what's his name? He was the uh, scientist in Back to the Future. I could look that up. Hold on. Are you sure? Yeah. I was like, yay, I was so excited to see him. Um, Cast, it was Christopher Lloyd. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. So fun. Um, And then there was another one that I I recognized, too, but I couldn't remember what other movie he was in. It doesn't matter. But, yeah, super good movie. Nice. So if you get a chance, you should watch it beginning to end. Yeah, absolutely should. I, you know, I've I've got uh, blank spots. I've got gaps in mm-hmm. my knowledge of classic cinema. So, mm-hmm. okay, that one's, that one's on the list for sure. Um, yeah, I was, I, I'm on Google, and there is a little link of a, what is the meaning behind one flew over one flew over the cuckoo's nest? A cuckoo's nest? The cuckoo's nest? One flew over a cuckoo's nest is the film. One flew over the cuckoo's nest is a novel written by Ken Kesey or Kesey. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to hear? Yeah, what's it say? Yeah, so according to this piece, it's uh, it's just a Wikipedia article. Um, set in an Oregon psychiatric hospital, the narrative serves as a study of institu- institutional processes and the human mind, as well as a critique of psychiatry and a tribute to individualistic, excuse me, principles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's really interesting. Um, unfortunately, my understanding is that in the 80s, so much funding was cut to psychiatric facilities that they're basically non-existent now, and people theorize that uh, that is what led to the rise in the homeless population. Oh, um, I mean, I you know you can tie it to uh, the increase in uh, 
uh, mass shootings as mm-hmm. well is just that society doesn't have uh, enough focus on mental well-being, mental health. Right. Um, this might be a little bit of a pessimist view, but hopefully this book and movie didn't contribute to that that feeling at all of, oh, um, mental health facilities don't need government funding. Because, of course, they I do. Hope not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I Yeah, I think that that would be a very easy surface-level interpretation of the work. The idea of a uh, tribute to individualistic principles, mm-hmm. I think, makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to watch it now because, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm super curious. Because, I, again, I, I, I never – I'm a big believer in – mental health being uh, incredibly important and mm-hmm. the health and welfare of a society is tied hand in hand with how we treat our most mentally unwell population. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I yeah, I, I would, I would doubt this would be a film uh, that would say like, you know, ah, these, you know, these quacks don't know anything. Psychiatrists, you know, shrinks. Mm-hmm. I, I, but it's worth seeing. I mean, it was a different time as well. That's so, true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if anything, hopefully, uh, you know, the year of uh, 2020, um, hopefully a lot of people's eyes have kind of been open to mental health and how important that is. And, um, you know, just talking with, with certain people throughout that year, it just, it seemed like it, it kind of took a toll on a yeah. lot of people. And um, yeah, hopefully we, we change some things and get some, some government funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great job, honey. Uh, We are going to take another break, and we will be right back. Welcome back to us doing a podcast. (laughs) We just talked about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the the is the movie. doesn't matter. Anywho, my turn. Yeah, what did you decide to do? So uh, I wanted to focus on The Mad Hatter from Mm -hmm. Alice in Wonderland. So I've got a couple... Okay. Well, debatable maybe. <laughs> so I didn't watch the uh, Disney animated film from 1960 something. Was that in the 60s? I wow. believe so. Uh, Crazy. I, so I decided to watch two movies that I know I don't like. Uh, I watched Alice in Wonderland, the Disney live action remake from oh maybe 2000. I think 2010, mm-hmm. and then Alice Through the Looking Glass was from 2016. Okay, and uh, I I did a little bit of research after that, and so we'll kind of get into um, the the Mad Hatter from DC Comics, uh, but uh, I'm not going to go through both the movies. I think that would take too much time. Um, Wait a minute, the DC Comics has a Mad Hatter. Yeah, that's a Batman villain. What? Yeah. Since when? <laughs> I don't know. Since like the probably the 70s or 80s. How maybe did I not older. know this? Because you never hang out with me when I watch the Batman <laughs> animated TV show, which it's, is probably it's in the, there. Uh, yeah, he's got a really good episode, if I remember correctly. Wow. Yeah. Should we, actually, since we're talking about him, should we talk about that Mad Hatter first? Sure. Okay. Uh, so, uh, one thing that distinguishes DC's Mad Hatter from uh, the Lewis Carroll novels uh, in the Lewis Carroll novels, I got that name right. Uh, he's just called Hatter. He's okay. not the Mad Hatter. That's something that's kind of, they call him, they say he's mad as a hatter. Okay. But uh, in the first book, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, um, he is called Hatter. 
something that's interesting is in the sequel, Through the Looking Glass, he's called Hatta, H-A-T-T-A. Oh, interesting. Super weird. Okay. I, yeah. Uh, but the Mad Hatter, um, read you a little. So this is from Fandom, my favorite website. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, obsessed from a very young age with Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, Jervis Tetch, a brilliant neuroscientist, embraced a delusion that he was the incarnation of a character in the story, the Mad Hatter. It's actually called the Hatter, but what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> using his hypnotic skills for mesmerism, Tetch, as the Mad Hatter, has committed many crimes, often themed around the book that inspired him and his love of hats and headgear, going so far as to plant his hats, ranging from pith helmets to bowlers, with mind-controlled chips to amplify his hypnosis skills. Above all other headwear, he covets Batman's distinctive cowl and will stop at nothing to acquire it. This is not a great villain. I'd call him C-tier at best. What is C-tier? Like, if we're tiering all the Batman villains, like oh, A to F. Okay. He's, he's like a C. I'm sure he's got some really good storylines, but yeah, it's just one of the writers was like, oh, Mad Hatter. I mean, I guess he'd make a good Batman villain. And they're like, okay, let's just do that. That's that's my interpretation. Mm-hmm. If you guys know of a really good Mad Hatter storyline in uh, either Batman animated works or in the comics, let me know. Uh, yeah, it looks like he appeared in 1981 in Detective Comics number 510. Uh, something I want to read about. I'm not going to go through all this shit. Um, so... Uh, Mad Hatter's powers and abilities. Tetch often uses his technological mind control devices to commit his crimes. He is also a master of hypnotism and mind control. The Mad Hatter also possesses unique knowledge with hats, especially one-of-a-kind headwear. He uses these skills to carry out his obsessive fixation on Alice in Wonderland. Uh, Some attributes of his. This gets dark. So strap in, everybody. Uh, Jervis Tetch is a fasc- is fascinated with hats of all shapes and sizes, as well as Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and its sequel Through the Looking Glass, particularly favoring the chapter A Mad Tea Party. He is obsessive-compulsive, highly delusional, suffers from psychotic manic depression, and can even sometimes be homicidal. It has been hinted in recent years that he is a pedophile, Kidnapping little girls with the name Alice. Oh, I don't like that. I know. I don't like it either. Um, That feels like kind of modern, like edgelord shit. Like you don't Mm -hmm. need to make him a pedophile. Uh, He won't eat a piece of food that doesn't have a hat on it. That's dumb. Food shouldn't have hats on it. That's weird. What? Yeah. Uh, He exhibits delusions and thought processes typical of schizophrenia. Not only is he often known to quote and associate with Carol's Wonderland novels, but he often falls to discern, fails to discern between these stories and reality. He will go to insane lengths to get what he wants. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, of course, different than uh, the Hatter of the Lewis Carroll works. Right. Um, but yeah, I just I, I maybe I unconsciously made the connection, but I realized like, oh, I talked about Two Face and Joker last week. And then oh. talking about uh, Mad Hatter this week, you know. You're on a Batman I guess. Thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess when you're talking about insane criminals, like Batman's villains are kind of easy. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, uh, they're all based off of different psychoses and, mm-hmm. and mental illnesses. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to look up an episode of uh, Batman the Animated Series with Mad yeah, Hatter. Yeah, I'd be curious to yeah. watch that. I remember in one of the Arkham uh, video games, he's... 
I think he's kind of an earlier boss. Okay. And yeah, he's just, he's not incredibly intimidating in the stuff that I've seen him in. But Does he uh, remind you at all about the Joker or are they pretty much opposites? No. Uh, again, Joker, Joker is seen as more of a rogue element mm-hmm. in a lot of the, the Batman works that I've read, especially the animated series. He's just kind of like, uh, like Alfred says in Dark Knight, the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people just want to watch the world burn. That's mm. that's more so Joker's mo. Even though we talked about it last week, he truly does have a grand scheme in the Dark Knight film. Yet Mad Hatter is much more gimmicky. Okay. I mean, his whole uh, his whole personality is based off of a novel, a character in a novel, and a tertiary character at that. Right. From what I'm seeing, Matt Hatter doesn't really play a huge part in the Alice books. Mm-hmm. He only really got bigger parts because of modern day media, mm-hmm. you know, including the uh, animated film. But uh, so here's a little bit about the Hatter of Lewis Carroll. Uh, the Hatter is a fictional character in Lewis Carroll's 1865 book. 1865 is wild, right? What? Yeah. Is that not a typo? No, no, wow. it's totally okay. right. Uh, uh, in Lewis Carroll's 1865 book, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and its 1871 sequel, Through the Looking Glass. You know what I feel like? Alice? Uh, no, I, I feel like, you know how, like, Alice in Wonderland, they say, like, oh, it's just all, like, drugs and influenced yeah. by drugs and stuff. So they had drugs back in, like, 1865? Opium was a big one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, why. cocaine like, I don't, was legal I don't in 1865. Picture. I, I don't know why I don't picture drugs in eight, the 1800s. I think because a lot of them were legal. Heroin was legal. Interesting. Uh, uh, ether was legal. I don't know. Did what we the... have alcohol back then? Absolutely. When was the whole like probe? Pro... How, how can you ask that when you're such a big fan of those goddamn Pirates of the Caribbean films? All they were doing was drinking rum. Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't but know what years e- they... I think that might have been earlier than 1865, but still. Oh, yeah, so, totally. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, opium dens were a really big thing. That even, uh, you know, they had a scene of that in uh, one of the recent Sherlock Holmes movies, I think. Mm, I think okay. Sherlock maybe even had an opium issue in the old books. Okay. Potentially. Okay. I could be making that up. Sorry, keep um, going. That's okay. All the times I interrupt you, you should <laughs> definitely interrupt me. Um, so he is very often referred to as the Mad Hatter, though this term was never used by Carol. The phrase Mad as a Hatter predates Carol's works. The Hatter and the March Hare are referred to as, bo- as both mad, quotes, by the Cheshire Cat in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland in the sixth chapter titled Pig and Pepper. Um Pig and pepper. I don't okay. know. I have no idea. I've never, like I said, never read them. Uh, so I wanted to talk about the etymology of why the Hatter is the Mad Hatter, why he is associated with uh, being crazy, being mad. Okay. Um, so mercury was used in the manufacturing of felt hats during the 19th century, causing a high rate of mercury poisoning among those working in the hat industry. Mercury poisoning causes neurological damage, including slurred speech, memory loss, and tremors, which led to the phrase "mad as a hatter." Uh, now I'm thinking, in the animated movie, does Mad Hatter like shake his teacup? 
in a scene or something. He does. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's a nod to the whole Mercury. That could thing. be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the Victorian age, many workers in the textile industry, including hatters, sometimes developed illnesses affecting the nervous system, such as central nervous. Oh, I I should read the whole sentence. God damn it, Garrett. <laughs> Such as central nervous system tuberculosis, which is portrayed in novels like Alton Locke by Charles Kingsley and North and South by Elizabeth Gaskell, which Lewis Carroll had read. Many such workers were sent to pauper lunatic asylums, which were supervised by lunacy commissioners such as Samuel Gaskell and Robert Wilfred Skeffington Ludwig. Ludwig, doesn't matter. Uh, Carol's uncle. Carol was familiar with the conditions at asylums and visited at least one, the Surrey County Asylum, himself, uh, visited himself, uh, which treated patients with so-called non-restraint methods and occupied them, amongst others, in gardening, farming, and hat-making. Besides staging theater plays, dances, and other amusements, such asylums also had tea parties. So appears okay. that Lewis Carroll not only pulled it from just kind of the common parlance of Mad Hatters are crazy because they're dealing with all this mercury, but also uh, as a young man, yeah, hanging out in these asylums. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So I uh, thought that was really interesting. And you know what? I think that little tidbit is vastly more interesting than anything that happens in the two Alice in Wonderland <laughs> films that I saw. You didn't like anything about them? No, that's not true. <laughs> Um, I like that. So the first film, uh, they, they didn't just do a direct adaptation of the animated film to live action, which of course that says a lot more than a lot of the live, uh, uh, live works that are being done lately. Like my, I haven't seen the Lion King. I don't really care. Oh, the, uh, the live action. Yeah. But my understanding yeah. is it's more or less a one-to-one direct adaptation from the animated Lion King film, but they like kind of removed some songs or something. We watched Aladdin. I thought it was fine. Will Smith was charismatic. Otherwise, I'm like, I'd kind of rather watch the animated movie. Yeah. I, I feel like all those, it's like they kind of nailed it with the animated films. Right. Granted, those came out when we were kids, so of course we've got a affinity for them. Mm-hmm. But, man, I I wonder if when kids grow up, and they watch the animated film versus this modern live action take. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I wonder if they'll agree with me that the animated version was really well done, and the live action is just kind of a tame, in my great, in I my opinion, money they, grab. I think they might actually think the opposite. You think? Yeah, I Maybe don't know. Maybe this I is like... old man Garrett's corner of like, ah, oh, my day. Well, I think so only because like when you're younger, uh, watching those you're pretty impressionable. Oh, absolutely. So I think, you know, if I were the generation where you're watching the live action ones and you yeah. really like it, yeah. I think if you watch the old ones, you'd be like, it would look really old to you. Like us watching like, I, I don't know, Tom and Jerry or something in regard, uh, as opposed to watching like Doug or something. Yeah. But I mean, I will say, I totally understand that the 1980 something total recall starring Arnold Schwarzenegger is no, I can't even make that comparison. I never saw the remake of Total Recall. I've heard it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I I should watch those and compare because, yeah, I I think that uh, 
there's a lot of modern remakes of films and you go back and you watch the original and you're like, oh, I totally get why this was a big deal back then. Mm-hmm. You know, and this, not all remakes, of course, but a right. lot of them are just money grabs. They're doing the same exact thing or like in this Alice movie, they have a minor but interesting deviation from just Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this movie, Alice goes to Wonderland um, it's it's a good kind of female empowerment film. Um, you know, I see its merit for, like, young ladies uh, showing them that they can make their own choices, you know, because right. that, that's, you know, that's a timeless topic, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, something that changes in this film is that uh, Alice doesn't need to just get home. Uh, she needs to defeat the Jabberwocky, with the Vorpal Sword. And there's also a Bandersnatch. What? The, it's from a Lewis Carroll uh, poem. So they, they adapted this poem that Lewis Carroll wrote into this piece of Lewis Carroll's work that they're reinterpreting, um, which I thought was really creative. I mm-hmm. thought that was a good idea to introduce the original author, uh, some additional work into this uh, film. So, yeah, I thought the Jabberwocky looked really cool. It's this big dragon character, kind of has some Asian influences because he's kind of got this long neck, a longer snout, uh, kind of like, like catfishy sort of? almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, ooh, speaking of dragons, Ryan, the last dragon is dope. Oh, it's so good. I don't know if we talked about it, but if we didn't, Aquafina is great. So good. Yeah. Loved it. Back to this mediocre <laughs> movie. Um, and I love the look of the Bandersnatch. The Bandersnatch is so cool looking. He's like this dog, but he's got a tail, and he's also kind of a cat. Mm-hmm. And it's super weird. At one point, he scratches Alice, and she doesn't address the wound, even though somebody tells her, like, that'll... Get infected or... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the Bandersnatch licks her, and it makes it better. Wow. It's, it's like, wouldn't that be opposite? Like, you think it'd make it worse. Mm-hmm. So unless the Bandersnatch has venom... But then in the inside the mouth is the the anti venom, that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't matter. Eh. It, that's that's super nitpicky and very minor. Um, yeah, I I admit that this criticism is gonna be kind of stupid because Lewis Carroll's book, or you know, and I think he uh, reinterpreted it into a short story kind of poem for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these characters, uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, uh, Queen of Hearts, the Hatter, the March Hare, they, none of them have an arc. None of them are important. They are vehicles to get Alice in Wonderland through this crazy world. Alice is the only person that we really care about, but I do think it's the responsibility of filmmakers reinterpreting this work to bring new life and a new point of view. They do that a little bit with Alice, but that's it. Everybody else is so one-dimensional kind of boring i don't really like uh johnny depp's mad hatter Mm. i think that tim burton said go and then mad hatter's like i'm gonna do this voice and then i'll go and i can't do goddamn scottish (laughs) but then he does this weird scottish accent and it's like so wait does he have dissociative personality disorder why did why this oh maybe why this separation of two personalities yeah um and it just seemed like he just did it to do it. And Tim Burton's like, yeah, okay, I'm getting paid. Do whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it just, every scene feels like it's just, the movie just goes, a lot of the CG just feels 
like there's no weight to it mm-hmm. and this is a movie in 2010 obviously 11 years right you know it it doesn't it doesn't look terrible for its time but i'm trying to remember all these things that you're talking about and i don't really remember the first one yeah i that that's the thing i don't think it's a bad movie i think it's just entirely forgettable yeah the only thing i really remembered was helena bonham carter's head being big mm-hmm. which it just seems like tim burton likes people's body features to be weird yeah you know you either got knives on your hands weird eyeball big eyeballs big eyes big eyes from big eyes or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah um so and of course two things that really bug me is at the uh so kind of a slightly running theme is the mad hatter does this dance and he's like oh i wish i could do this dance again because it's so good and everybody's like it's a it is a good dance (laughs) and he's like you know at uh flurber's day when if you defeat the the jabberwocky i will do the 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 humpty dump or whatever i vaguely remember the dance and so alice hey guys spoilers spoilers for this mediocre movie (laughs) alice does it so that's good she defeats the jabberwocky good for her yeah she did it and then it show it cuts to johnny depp and he's like oh it's the day i said it and then he does this it's it's uh, of course it's not johnny depp but it's this like weird uh it's a combination of CG effects and uh, just uh, breakdancing. Mm. Yeah, like... Uh, There's a lot of, like, waving with Yeah, a lot of waving and, and wiggling. And, and uh, yeah, but, like, it would have been better if he just did a goddamn dance, not a weird CG, like, hey, kids, you know. Mm-hmm. If it was made now, he would do, like, the floss and the thing where you pump your fist and you oh, kick yeah. your foot. Like, I was, I was like, oh, that's annoying. He's probably just not a good dancer. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. And then uh, again, like I'm a little eye rolly because I'm a grown ass man. Um, but at the end, like she comes back to Britain or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, she decides she's not going to marry this guy, even though she's pressure- pressured to. She wants to do a business deal and go and sail the high seas. Um, but also, she does this weird dance at the end. As like a ha there, like she lifts up her skirt and she just kind of moves her feet around. Oh, interesting. And I'm just like, what? What time is this? What should should I be taking this time period seriously? Or <laughs> it's a kids movie. It's again, it's got a good message. It's not detrimental to young women, mm-hmm. so I shouldn't be such an old asshole about it. But I just, I. It's a fictitious world, you know. I'm sure. Well, it, not not the Britain parts. Those are supposed to be real ass, like eighteen sixties Britain. Mm. And she's she probably wouldn't do the footwork. She's like crumping, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that movie was fine. I think it's yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. Like you know, uh, oh, uh, there's a podcast I listen to. We hate movies, and they talk about like, is it a good movie? Is it a bad movie? And a lot of times they'll say it's a light hangover movie. It's a movie mm. where if you're hungover, you just can't get off the couch. You turn it on. You probably sleep through 45 minutes of it, and you wake up, and the movie will be ending. That's this. Yeah. You know, it's it's doing laundry. It's a doing laundry movie. I can see that. Have it on in the background because it's it's got some fun visuals. Right. Besides Helena Bonham Carter. I think cool that, costume work. and Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> sure. Sure. Colorful. And... Colorful. We got colorful at least. We were watching uh, the new Zack Snyder cut of Justice League last night. 
We got through like yeah. an hour and a half. Oh my God, it's so yeah. long. But uh, of course, it's Zack Snyder's cut, so everything is like uh, undersaturated, I believe is the terminology. They sucked all the color out of the movie. Yeah. So it was that was a nice contrast. After watching that last night and then watching this colorful-ass movie, like that was refreshing. Mm-hmm. I love a big, bright, stupid color palette. Yeah. It makes my baby brain like clap. Yeah. <laughs> The sequel, it's not really worth talking about too much. So it's ba- the the framing device of Alice is in the real world and then a trouble happens and then she goes to Wonderland and then she addresses that issue in Wonderland, comes back to the real world, takes the knowledge that she learned in Wonderland and applies it to the real world and then she sails off an adventure. It's the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. To to the point of sailing, like the movies end the same way with Alice sailing off. It's wasn't, just in the sequel, she sails off with her mom. Wasn't there a part in the movie, though, that like all of a sudden she wakes up in like a mental institution? That is in this one, yes. she. So that is one deviation is, is in the middle. She leaves Wonderland um, and yeah, she's in a mental institution, probably an homage to Lewis Carroll's upbringing and, you know, his... Uh, his interpretation of madness and how that was inspired by the time. So yeah, she's in this mental institution. Basically because her mom said like you've been missing or you, you were talking to Yeah, somebody stuff. found her and she was acting crazy, but I think maybe the bad guy in the real world found her. So maybe he made up like, Oh, she's been talking crazy. Um, I don't, I don't really remember that part, but I remember the, uh, the mental health professional saying like you have hysteria. And so I thought, I told you this, my knowledge is in uh, the 1800s, maybe the early 1900s, a way to treat hysteria, uh, some psychologists found, was to uh, create an orgasm Mm -hmm. in the the patient suffering from hysteria. So for a split second, I was like, are they about to bust out a Hitachi (laughs) vibrator for Alice? Like, is this movie going to get... But, of course, they didn't. He pulls out this big, stupid syringe, and then she uses it on him, knocks him out. It does kind of make you wonder, though, like... Because they put that in the movie, I feel like they wanted you to almost question, like, was it her sanity that she fell into, quote unquote, I Wonderland? guess, but they never do anything with that. They don't pay it off in any way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter, especially since uh, at the end of the first movie, there's the uh, the pipe-smoking worm, mm-hmm. um, Euronymous or something like that. Right. And at the end of the first movie... She sees a butterfly flying away because Euronymous went into a cocoon and he transformed. Now she's seen the butterfly and she's like, hey, Euronymous. That's how she goes back into Wonderland in this movie is she sees Euronymous and he's like, you got to go back to Wonderland. Mm-hmm. And so it's... But did, did like something in her life was something challenging that might I mean, have triggered... Both situations are based on... Like her, that's the the beginning framing device. Is she has a stressful situation in her real life? Mm-hmm. But again, it doesn't matter. I mean, just it makes me wonder. Like, okay, so because it was a stressful situation, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it triggers Euronymous. You said uh, something like that, something yeah, like that, uh, to help her cope with it. And so it's almost like the ending was like her figuring out the lesson or figuring out what decision to make. But then, what does that say? What, what is the film trying to tell us if that is the situation? The Wonderland well, is truly in her mind. Right. I think that just kind of like it's a nod to like the, the madness of Wonderland. I guess, but 
then is that saying like, you know, sometimes you go a little crazy and then everything's okay. Cause uh, you learn from being in a psychosis, psychosis state. Or that's how she copes with tough things in her life. Yeah. I mean, in the first movie, her dad like says like, Oh, you're mad. You're bonkers. Completely off your rocker. But let me tell you a secret. All the best people are. Mm hmm. So I guess, yeah, maybe she just has an overactive like imagination. imagination. Yeah. I I guess. But again, it doesn't, there's nothing said. Like, it, they don't use that to make any sort of comment. It doesn't play into the larger film. It, they're just kind of adventure movies, which mm-hmm. is not a bad thing. But if we are really looking into, you know, is she, does she believe in these delusions? Is she running around the forest like, I think that's just her imagination because she's, how old is she in these movies? Uh, I want to say in the first one, she's probably like 16 and the second one, she's maybe 18. So maybe it's just her, uh, almost like losing her adolescence and kind of becoming more like it helps her to become more of like a woman. I guess, but in I the sequel, she's a full on woman and she's still having these delusions. Well, you could still be 18, but still think like a adolescent. Yeah, we. I mean, we're I mean, we're proof of that. I mean, right. <laughs> we're thirty five and it's we're like, kids. That's, that's the time that you should become a woman because you're eighteen, yada yada. But yet, you still kind of feel. I mean, with every yeah. age, I, I, we're thirty five, and I still feel like I'm nineteen. You know what I mean? I think you're doing too much work for this movie. And our <laughs> cross the street neighbor is walking to his house in a Boba Fett helmet. Oh my gosh! What is are he up to? Are those our new neighbors? I guess. Oh, that's fun. Unless he's just dropping stuff off. Let's okay. Everybody, hold tight. We're gonna. All right. So he's got bags of groceries and looks like a bottle of apple juice. Yes, he appears to be delivering it, guys. It's a delivery man. It is not our neighbor, so we're disappointed. But why? Maybe that's his, that's his mask. That's a straight up Mandalorian helmet. Oh my Boy, God, that is I an intense it. mask. It is full on over the head. It's a helmet. That's fantastic. Huh. He's got more. He's bringing more. He's br- guys, he's coming back. You know what? If you're needing to wear a mask, that's the way to go. That's so fun. Yeah, that's not a bad way to go, for sure. He's also wearing gloves. So he's being super protective. He's having a good time with this pandemic, and that's That's what we got to do. This is vastly more entertaining than Alice <laughs> and my commentary on Alice. So thank goodness this guy showed up. It's not helping you guys, but it's helping us. I'm really glad that, uh, yeah, I'm going to try and take a photo so we can post it on our Instagram. Oh, yeah, please do. Is that going to be Guys, check out our Twitter and or Instagram, and you'll see. uh, It's going to be super creepy. You'll see Mando, Mando on his side hustle delivering groceries. You do look like a stalker. You're straight up. She's taking a photo through our (laughs) shutters like a maniac. (laughs) I want to catch him like you know walking back. Yes. Oh, but. honey, you don't got to explain it to me. I'm just I'm telling the people <laughs> what's going on. That was fantastic. That just made my day. That's yeah, so fun. That was pretty good. I want to give him a thumbs up. So in conclusion, Sasha Baron Cohen is in the second one, and he's trying his hardest, but it's just a dry, boring movie. See, and I think that he did it. I mean, I liked his character. I thought it was pretty cool. It it just felt it felt like maybe Johnny Depp. They couldn't. They could only get him for a day or two. But Sasha Baron Cohen is like, oh, yeah, my schedule's open. And so they're like, okay, well, you be quirky and weird. Mm-hmm. Last movie, that was Johnny Depp's role. He can't do it this time because he's drunk on wine constantly. So now you got to do it. And I'm sure Sasha Baron Cohen got paid. 
good for him yeah actors need to get paid for their work and he does he does a great job with like those like crazier type characters oh sure yeah but again it makes uh, his role in the chicago the trial of the chicago 7 even more remarkable because he's not playing a a caricature or a cartoon he is just playing Ooh, a a real life human being yeah um i don't know i'm sure i'm being too hard on these movies but i just they weren't for you yeah they weren't for me i'm glad that a female led action fun movie mm-hmm. yeah anytime that happens that's cool yeah but i feel like alice deserved better the lead actor deserved a little better i don't know eh. Again, if I'm if I'm being a grumpy old asshole, tweet at us, <laughs> grumpy old asshole. That ooh, I should bring up that Twitter. Oh, our Twitter account, the actual name of it. Yeah, it's a terrible name. Uh, so our Twitter is at well underscore Garrett. Oh, so it just kind of like it just kind of did a mishy mashy. Yep. All right. Well, good to know, guys. Boba Fett's got orange juice. Oh my god. He's bringing orange juice to the house, y'all. That's going to be the rest of our podcast is just us talking about this this guy and his awesome helmet. So, yeah, that's – I mean, we're we're running a little long anyways. I think that's all I want to talk about, the Alice in Wonderland movies. Okay. I would recommend go out and, well, stay home and watch uh, an episode of Batman the Animated Series with mm-hmm. the Mad Hatter villain. And maybe watch the first Alice in Wonderland, again, the 2010 film – and definitely watch the cartoon. I need to watch the cartoon again. It used to scare the shit out of me. Oh, really? The the oh, yeah. Queen of Hearts terrified me. Yeah, terrified it is, it is me. kind of a weird movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think I think the idea of being lost in a foreign land always scared the crap out of me. Mm. There's an episode of Goo- not Goosebumps, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mm-hmm. Where some girl, I think it was a girl, gets trapped in a dollhouse and she's slowly turning into a doll. Her skin's becoming oh, porcelain. I remember that. Scared me so bad. Yeah. I was just like, I wouldn't find a way out, and I'd be a doll, and I'd be dead forever. Yeah. Yeah. I was that's not. I was scary. not a very positive kid. I didn't really believe in myself. <laughs> so that's gonna do it for this main chunk. But guess what, guys? We get to talk about. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes, finally. If you're not watching it, if you don't care, if you don't want spoilers, then we are going to say good evening to you. Bid you adieu. A good day, Madame and Monsieur. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we love you all so much. Uh, Please, we want to chat with you guys. Get at us at uh, life underscore well underscore spent underscore on Instagram. Instagram. Uh, On Twitter, you can get get at us at... Did I say? At well underscore Garrett. <laughs> well underscore two R's, Garrett. Two R's, two T's. A fantastic Twitter handle. Oh, my um, gosh. And uh, I think we're life well spent with Garrett and Amber on Facebook, something like that. Uh, we're not on Facebook. Oh, we're not on Facebook. No. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Instagram. Our email, uh, lifewellspent at yahoo.com? Yes. Yes. Yeah, you got it. Holler at us. We'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, like we said, we're still figuring out what the hell we're doing, so any... Any pointers, any criticism is also always mm-hmm. welcome. Thanks for listening. We'll Thanks, talk to you guys. next week. Yeah, and we're going to fight about this later. Okay, we back. Yes. I liked the first episode way more than I thought I would. And I thought I was going to like this series, but I mm-hmm. I really liked the pacing and how they started off with a big, grandiose action scene and then a lot of really good character work Yeah, and then ended with kind of a... Well, not ended, but pretty close to ended it with that big action scene of introducing what appear to be kind of the primary villains in this, the mm-hmm. the guy wearing the face mask and having the superhero powers. 
Yeah. Yeah. That seemed really interesting. Yeah. I mean, they were fantastic action scenes, but I, I, th- I think, uh, Falcon hanging out with his sister, figuring out how they're going to keep their family business afloat and how they're going to keep their house. And then of course them going to the bank and obviously making commentary on how black people in the United States have traditionally been, uh, denied financing that other white people would have received. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was great. And of course, Bucky dealing with his PTSD, uh, him going to the therapist and the way he's, he's like atoning for his sins feels like, uh, AA. Mm-hmm. I believe one of the steps in now call anonymous 12 steps is you've got to go to people that you felt you wronged when you were, uh, addicted. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're always addicted, but in a, like a, in your deepest, darkest state, you got to go to them and like apologize and ask for their right. forgiveness. So make it amends. That was stuff. cool to see those parallels. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, uh, Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie are just as charming as ever mm-hmm. in their roles. They're so easy to root for. One thing I'm worried about is, like, I think we talked about it. Like, they Falcon and the Winter Soldier fought a little bit in. Uh, Captain America Civil War. Like they were just kind of like barbs and yeah, getting yeah. under each other's skin. And it seems like they're going to be doing a lot of that in this series. It's going to be like kind of a buddy comedy. But we, buddy haven't, co- we haven't seen that no. yet. We don't know what's going to trigger that. Yeah. And I'm, again, my confidence is up after this first episode, but I'm worried it's just they're going to be fighting each other just for the sake of comedy relief. I hope they actually get into like why... There appears to be respect, but not admiration for each other. Like no love lost. Like why? It's if it's just based off Captain America. I was gonna say it'd be interesting right. if it's like um, is Bucky jealous? Like or that doesn't make any sense. Or is Bucky upset because uh, Falcon didn't Falcon take on gave the, up the shield? Yeah, that then would now, that would now make, we have a new one, and he's that not would make sense. It. Yeah, Sebastian Stan being upset that mm-hmm. Cap chose him. And, you know, uh, Bucky Barnes used to fight by Cap and Captain's side. Right. And for him to just shirk that responsibility, mm-hmm. that that would, I think I would be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of it? I uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Uh, excited to see where they take it. Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm kind of uh, more interested in, like, Bucky's, like, aftermath of his whole life and being the winter soldier. Yeah. Him, him forming a relationship with the father of the guy that he killed when he yeah. was still winter soldier. Like, and that doesn't feel healthy. That feels like he's punishing himself, mm-hmm. you know? So well, and it makes you wonder like, you know, did he go to apologize and then somehow, you know, created a relationship and I mean, obviously I in think some so. way. Yeah. I think that was just one. To tell him. Yeah. One situation where he couldn't, atone for his sins it was too hard mm-hmm. so yeah maybe it's a bit of punishment but also a bit of delaying that progress that he needs because it's yeah. t- it's still too painful mm-hmm. either way i think that's a rich vein i think that's really cool yeah that's uh, again something that was tackled a little bit in captain america civil war and you know even uh well they didn't really tackle it in uh, when they first showed him as one of the post trailers, um, that probably would have been the end of 
God, what movie would that have been? Because it would have been right before Avengers Infinity War. Because mm. they're bringing him out of retirement so he can help to fight um, since the war is coming to Wakanda. I don't yeah. know. I don't remember. But, yeah, I the individual characters, what they're doing with it, I like it so far. I mm-hmm. hope it doesn't get too annoyingly bantery when they come together. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully not. That stuff usually doesn't really, I don't think it really affects us too much. We don't mind when mm-hmm. uh, the MCU gets a little silly. Right. I know some people hate it. I honestly don't mind it. Yeah, to me it's more of a comic relief unless it's like super corny. And then yeah, which yeah. they could, they can definitely get corny, but I yeah. feel like they've figured that out in the past like five years, especially after Avengers Age of Ultron. That one was pretty harshly mocked for um, not allowing scenes to have weight and gravity because they'll just like kick, it o- kick over to – captain america and he's like oh another monday or some crap Mm -hmm. like that they're getting better about that they still do that every once in a while like that scene in avengers infinity war where gamora is telling star lord like if if uh thanos gets me you got to kill me i think that's the conversation or or maybe they're just kind of trying to tell each other they love each other and then uh drax is standing really still and he thinks that he's invisible Mm -hmm. funny but like let let moments be serious and i think the first episode definitely let moments be serious mm-hmm. can i tell you a little uh thing i learned yeah i watched uh like an easter egg video on the show so uh there is a soldier that uh sam wilson the falcon is buddies with mm-hmm. and that guy gets the gets the shit kicked out of him by these kind of this group of bad guys it was really just one bad guy that beat him up but still turns out that character has the same name as the character in the comics that takes over for Falcon when Sam Wilson steps up to be Captain America. Mm. So potentially a spoiler for down the road. Yeah. If this is how we set up going on in the future of the MCU, that Sam Wilson will be uh, Captain America, then it's possible that this character could step up as the Falcon. Interesting. Yeah. Which we'll see. I, like I said, well, I don't know if I said this, whatever. Uh, I think I think WandaVision did a great job of laying out some obvious seeds and then yes. kind of turning them on their head. Mm-hmm. So I hope that that's what this show does as well is, you know, they they name a character the same name as the character in the comics that takes over the Falcon. Yeah. Uh, if that happens, cool. But if they do, if they pull a swerve so far, I think their hit rate on these swerves has has been good, in my opinion. Right. You know, I don't need uh, Galactus to show up at the end of this series to be satisfied or anything. A lot of people had issues with the final episode of WandaVision because they thought there was going to be a big reveal of, like, a new MCU bad guy or something. Oh, really? Yeah, but... I mean, that's kind of Agatha, kind of. I think she's got the potential. I, You know, I don't think we need big reveals yet. I mm-hmm. think that Marvel knows that they've got our attention for quite a while. Yeah. So they can start peppering in Fantastic Four characters and X-Men characters. Which is so fun. I love those, like, Easter eggs and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, I know in uh, Avengers Endgame, they made a reference to some tremors off the coast of Wakanda, and people are theorizing that that's uh, Atlantis, and the Submariner's going to mm. mm-hmm. come through eventually, and Submariner is a big character in the Fantastic Four universe, and so on okay. and so forth. Um, so, yeah. Very cool. Yep. I mean, it's... 
We tend to be pretty positive on this show, unless we're talking about Alice in Wonderland movies, apparently. <laughs> uh, but again, I think that these Disney Plus original shows have just been so entertaining mm-hmm. so far. Yeah. Um, love The Mandalorian season one and two. I still have to watch the rest of season one. That's right. I'd be down with I watching should. it with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. so fun. All right. Well, again, if you guys have any uh, opinions on Falcon and the Winter Soldier or any of the Disney Plus shows so far, hit us up. Let us know what you think. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys again. Appreciate you sticking around with us a little bit longer. We love you to pieces. Have a great week. Bye. Okay, bye.